Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you love us. Thank you for the unspeakable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we're able to open our hearts throughout the service, even before we come to the preaching, to show love and pour out unabashed acclamation, praise, and surrender to the Lord of glory. I pray, Father, that you would continue to bless us now as we seek to continue that effort. I pray that you will bless those that manage and handle our children. And I pray that you will bless us here in the auditorium. And we'll thank you now for all that you do for us. In Jesus' holy and wonderful name, amen. Well, after a couple of weeks with other things going on or else being away, we want to come back to our regular Sunday morning series, which, as you know, is Penetrating Questions of Jesus. And we've sort of worked our way through Matthew and Mark, and we have landed at Luke. And in Luke, we are in chapter 6, which of course is Luke's account, briefer, much briefer, but Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Last time that we were doing this, we came across a question in verse number 39, and that was the message that we had uh, three Sundays back. If you look at that verse, Jesus says, spoke a parable unto them, can the blind lead the blind? What a profound question that is. Can the blind lead the blind? This morning we have another one that's very pointed. I hope that we'll accept it in that very way. Take a look at it. Jesus says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? This particular question occurs only here in Luke's gospel, which is why it comes up in our consideration now. This, as I say, is a very pointed question. And in the sermon title, I've chosen to word it a little bit differently to make it just a bit more concise. And so the title this morning is, Why Do You Say and Do Not? That's a tough question, isn't it? Why do you say and do not? And I hope that we can open our hearts to that. I didn't ask it. The Lord did. I've been thinking a lot about this for the morning message today. Why do you say and do not? Of course, Matthew, when you look back, you could sort of tell it here anyway, but it makes it unmistakably clear when you look back at Matthew's account of this that this particular question has to do with Christian profession. Consider Matthew 7 and verse 21 out of the context where you have all of this in Matthew, which says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So Christian profession is really the subject of discussion this morning. Do you know what that means when we say Christian profession? In other words, we're talking about people who say, profess, people who profess that they know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And the Lord says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And so the question comes up about the genuineness of Christian profession. The Lord makes it clear that not every profession is genuine. Not every Christian profession is genuine, particularly from the rendering that you just heard in Matthew's gospel. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Genuineness. So it causes us to ask a question this morning. Are we the real thing? If we claim to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, Is that real? And if we claim to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, and it is real, is the life we live real? Christian profession. 
So I want to talk about three thoughts this morning. The first of them is the problem. Secondly, we find that the Lord doesn't bring up a problem without giving us guidance, and so we'll be looking at some guidance. And finally, there is the challenge, which I've sort of tried to uh, lay out for you in the very beginning of this. So let's bring up that first point. What is the problem? Well, in a word, the problem is hypocrisy. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say, from the pulpit to the back row, no one can excuse himself from consideration of this particular word. All of us have a little bit of the hypocrite in us. If we're unwilling at the outset to face that, then we really won't get much out of the message today because we'll simply be thinking, well, I'm a Christian, I know I'm a Christian, so my profession is genuine. But it goes beyond that, doesn't it? It goes beyond that to us looking at ourselves as people who profess Christ genuinely, but don't always come across that way to other people. So the problem in a word is hypocrisy. Now this should not surprise us that I chose this word because if you know anything about the context, you back up to verse 42 and you find out that that's already what Jesus has been talking about before we ever got here. Look at that verse and you'll find the word. It says, either how canst thou say to thy brother, brother, let me pull the mote that is in thine own eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye, and look at the next two words thou hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull the mote out that is in thy brother's eye. Now, the Lord here, of course, is dealing with a different subject, and there are two things under consideration. He's dealing here with judgmentalism, and I'm not going to go back over the ground that was in the message previously on judgmentalism. I simply want to point out that when we get to verse 46, look down in your Bible, and the very first word is and. So now you have two related subjects, but the Lord wants to move off of the problem of hypocrisy as it shows up in judgmentalism and talk about another area in which it can show up, and that other area is in Christian profession. We've learned, of course, that it's wrong to be judgmental in the unfair sense of the term. That's what's before us in verse 41 and verse 42. In that message, and I think most believers are also aware of this fact, there is another thing that bears on this. Not only has the Lord sort of warned us off of this judgmentalism that he talks about here, but it's also true that we don't see the heart. Is that true? In other words, it's very easy for us to look at someone and make a judgment and be wrong. And that's a very perplexing question, and it is because, to some extent, we don't always see the heart. God does. Is that right? But for you and me, we haven't necessarily been given that ability. That's up to God. God sees the heart. So I just ask you this question before we move to our second thought this morning. Does this mean that we're just adrift? In other words, we've already been warned about judgmentalism, and we've been warned about hypocrisy. Now we also know that only God totally sees the heart. And so are we just totally adrift? In other words, we just have no real basis whatever to deal with what by common sense tends to impress us or depress us as phony. Or 
Have we no ability to judge our own lives? And of course, the answer to that is no, and that's why we come to our second thought this morning, which is guidance. How do we solve this dilemma? We've been warned about judgmentalism. We've been told that we don't see the heart as God sees the heart. In other words, there can be more going on in a person's life and circumstances than what you and I can know. So we've been warned about those two things. Does that mean that we just have no guidance? We just have no ability to be able to solve these mysteries that seem to present themselves to us with people who say they know Jesus as their personal savior, but there's no evidence of that. Or people who say they know Jesus as their personal savior and we've known them long enough to think that that's probably true, but they're not acting like that. And the answer is no, God helps us with this God is not really in the habit of bringing up problems that he doesn't give us guidance for in his word. And the answer now is the single word deeds. Jesus does provide this because if you look at verse 46, here's what he says. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Deeds, do not the things which I say. Or in other words, If we like the word profession, maybe we match it now with another word, performance. So ask yourself this question. Are you and I guilty today of profession without performance? Think about that for a minute. Those are bigger words, but yet I think we can bring them right down to where we live because uh, think about this. Let's say you're in the market for another car. And so you see all kinds of ads, maybe in a, muse, in a magazine, or maybe you see ads on TV. Maybe you uh, decide you want something with a little pep. Maybe you just sort of want something that's just a cut above, and so you've been watching these ads for this particular car. Now, you're not gonna match a Tesla, I hate to tell you, unless you buy a Tesla. Because that's the fastest car on earth from zero to 60. And if you do that, and take that ride in that Tesla and go from zero to 60 in 3.2 or whatever it is seconds, you're gonna sort of feel a little odd. You're gonna feel a little woozy, it's the truth. You're not used to that. But let's say you go for something else. Maybe you go for Camaro or maybe you go for Corvette or something like that. And so you see all these ads and you hear about this big motor and you hear about how fast the thing will go and you get this car and it doesn't do it. It doesn't live up to its advertising. The advertising was false, and you're upset about the thing because now you've got a huge investment in a car, and you believed that advertising, but it turns out that it's really phony. It's really fake. The proof of the pudding is in the, you don't know that saying? In the tasting or the eating or whatever you want to call it. So you get in that car, and you hit that accelerator, and... Ah, it's kind of stodgy, it's kind of slow, it doesn't live up to what you were told. And then you say, ah, I've been burned. Deeds, performance, or what about this one? We said about profession without performance, what about this one, preaching without practice? I'm not the only one who preaches around here, do you know that? I mean, it's really bad if you have a preacher without practice, but to some extent, all of us are preaching. All of us are saying something to people, especially if we make a a Christian profession. And so if we have that preaching and we don't have practice, the world kind of looks askance at us. The world's upset with that. The world calls us hypocrites. 
So you have two sides to one coin. You have the fact that God sees the hearts, but he says to you, you can see deeds. You can look at fruit. I'm not leaving you adrift. I'm not leaving you without guidance. You don't see the heart. That much is true, but you can look at the fruit on the tree. Deeds, that helps us out a little bit in this situation. So the Lord does give us help. He amplifies this. Um, In verses 43 through 45, we see the figure of the tree. A good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Deeds. In other words, what we are looking for, if we, if we, please get this before we move on to our last thought. What we are looking for when we talk about deeds, we're looking at performance. This is a big help. We're not necessarily, we're not necessarily looking at a fluke. We're not necessarily looking at the exception. We're looking at the rule. That's really important to see. Why is this? Because trees produce fruit by a process over time. Is this true? I bet a lot of you have gone out and gotten tomato bushes already. How many? I'm just curious. Okay, good. And uh, you put that thing somewhere safe, I hope, or you have an electric fence, or I don't know what you're going to do. We had to end up putting them up on our deck because the groundhogs get them anywhere you go. And that tempts me to do things I'm not supposed to do. But I have no expectation of my wife having planted those tomato bushes three or four days ago and walking out and finding a nice red, now this is what you call it down south, a nice red mater. I don't see that. I don't expect that. It's going to take till August, or if you buy those super-duper ones, maybe you get them in 70 days or whatever they claim. I don't know what it is, but it's a process over time. That f- So what we're looking for is not just a, not a fluke, not an aberration, not an exception, but a rule. In other words, a pattern of life. Do, do you follow what I'm trying to say? This is really a big point because when we try to apply the guidance that God gives us, at least we need to understand how you apply that, and how you apply that is you're looking at the general direction of a person's life, not just something that happens as an exception. You're looking at the general direction of a person's life if you're gonna apply this guidance to Christian profession. Make sense? Make sense? Okay, then let's go to the last part of this. There's a challenge, and if we bring up that third word, challenge, then as I mentioned to you earlier, what we're really looking for is genuineness. Jesus' challenge has to do with genuineness, and we need to make a brief application of this along two fronts, along two lines. First of all, we need to ask ourselves about those whose profession is simply not credible. That is to say, not a genuine believer. Once again, we're not talking about 
an exception, we're talking about a rule. What's the general direction of the life? What kind of deeds are the general direction of the life? Do they reflect the type of life that has been changed by the power of God? We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, therefore if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Is there some evidence since this person made this profession of faith in Christ? Says he or she knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Any change? Any change of direction? Used to be going this way, now going this way, even if I waver every so often, even if I'm imperfect. But someone can look, clearly look, and see a change of direction. So let me ask you a question this morning. How, do, how does that work for you? I mean, for most of us here, maybe all of us in this room this morning, people know you as someone who says he or she is a Christian. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm not trying to say I don't believe your profession. I'm simply asking you to examine your own heart because this is what the Bible is all about. It's applying it to us. Is our profession genuine? Can you look back on a time can you? Can you look back on a time in your own life when the Lord brought your sin to your attention, the need of a Savior, that you needed a Savior, and then the Lord brought your attention to Calvary and showed you that there was hope, showed you that good deeds, church attendance, all of these types of things, they may be good, but they don't get a person into heaven, that the only real hope of heaven, as we have sung about through our entire song service, is Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. I mean, you might not have understood all the theology, but you had those general points, and you came to him, and you asked him to come into your heart, and he saved you from your sins. Now, you yourself can tell a difference in your life. You're not the same person. Oh, beloved, I've told you my story so many times, but I, and mine is just one. Most of you have this same story, but the question is, really, do we? Because I can tell you, I can remember being a 17-year-old teenager going this way my parents didn't know everything I knew I know I was going this way and all of a sudden God started working in our family my brother got saved the Holy Spirit started to convict me I got burdened about this I started talking to this neighbor that was a Christian man that had been burdened for me as well I started going to a Bible believing church first in the evening services I got to that place and was hearing the Bible and said this is different from where I've been going this Bible stuff I got to hear more about this Bible stuff and I kept going there and all of a sudden as I went there I understood that it wasn't enough to be born in America it wasn't enough just to say I knew John 3.16. It wasn't enough just to say that I knew the Apostles' Creed. It wasn't enough to say that I'd become a member of the church when I was 12. It wasn't enough to say somebody poured water on my head when I didn't even know what they were doing. I needed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And my heart was drawn to that. It wasn't because I was smart. I can guarantee you that because I was kicking. But the day that I surrendered and made all of that plain and clear in my own life, I've never the same, absolutely never the same. And you can see the chart, if you were doing a dot plot, you can see the chart that was this way, and now you can see the chart that's this way. A couple times I've wavered, have you? 
I'm sure we all have. We're not looking at aberrations. We're not looking at exceptions to the rule. We're looking at the general direction of the life. So in yours, you might be here today and be a very young person. You might be here today and be someone who's been around church and Christianity for a long time. Honestly now, applying the, the test that Jesus gave us here, is there a performance to match your profession? Is there a changed life? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Do you have the right foundation? He uses that metaphor here as well. He says one guy digs down deep and gets that foundation. The other guy didn't even bother with the foundation. He just went out there and threw up a, a thing, a, a shack or whatever. He says the winds blew. The water beat vehemently against that house. The guy who had no foundation, that thing fell, and he says the ruin of it was great. Do you realize that's what's at stake today? If you don't have the right foundation, if you don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, Paul said it himself, other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. If you don't have the right foundation, it will collapse and the ruin of that will be great. It's the difference between heaven and hell. So don't tune out my question. Ask yourself about yourself. And very quickly, we need to add just a word about this. Since the Sermon on the Mount is in fact also addressed to disciples, we move to the other application, not just to someone who makes profession of Christianity and maybe it's not really genuine or valid, but we move to people who make a genuine profession of Jesus Christ as Savior and there's not consistency there. In fact, there's so much inconsistency that it causes people to wonder. And beloved, I'm talking about a very practical point. I know if you just think with me about this for a moment, you know this, that you've seen people, I've seen people, and they claim to know Christ, and there's not really very much evidence of that. Sometimes they don't act like that. But you have the right foundation now, but the expectation is that having laid that foundation, how many people, let's put it this way, how many people go out and take the trouble to dig down deep get to the rock and put a foundation and leave it at that. You don't do that. How many people go out there and spend hours and hours preparing to paint something and never paint it? How many people go out and put all the work into a proper foundation, the excavation, and then whatever it takes to be that foundation, and don't build something on it? And Jesus said this himself when he used this metaphor later in Luke's gospel. He said, if a man wants to build a tower, he should count the cost, lest hap happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Jesus expects that the foundation will be finished, that will put up walls, that will put on a roof, that will put in windows. It's a metaphor for the Christian life, folks. If we're genuinely saved... The expectation is there, or to use Paul's figure of speech himself, he said, other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He said, as a wise master builder, I've laid the right foundation there in Corinth, but he says, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So Jesus' expectation is that we'll finish the building. Paul's expectation is that upon the foundation we will build it's a process, it's a life. 
I want to tell you something here this morning. You know it, but it bears repeating. Did you know that Christianity is not just a mere profession? Christianity is not a one-time event. Christianity is not just coming forward in a revival. Christianity is not just lying down or, or kneeling beside your bed with your mom and dad and opening your heart to Christ. It begins there, but that's not all it is. It's an entire life. How are we living that life? Is there any evidence if we claim to know Christ? Is there enough evidence to convict us? Peter gives it to us this way. In 1 Peter 1, verse 23, he says, as newborn, uh, he says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. In chapter 1, verse 2, so there's being born again. In chapter 2, verse 2, he says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. In 2 Peter, chapter 3, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're born again. As a babe, you desire the milk. As a Christian, you continue to grow. Just sort of the question that we need to pose this morning is really twofold. First of all, my profession, is it credible? Is it real? Can I look back on a time when life changed for me? I received Christ into my heart and life. I might have been young. I might not remember the date. I might not know all the details of that, but I know for sure it happened. I can see the fact that my life has changed. Oh, yes, my profession is genuine because some folks tell you they're Christians about everybody. Well, not now, but you know what I'm saying. But there's, no, there's nothing in the life really to confirm that. No performance with the profession and then there are many folks here today that definitely you've got the foundation, but are we finishing? Are we building? Are we growing? Are we constantly growing in grace? Are we, or are we resisting? God is dealing with us. He's speaking to us, and we just have sort of shut down. And I, I tell you, I would say as a pastor, that's one of the great burdens that I've, I feel that I have as I look out over so many, many people, not talking about you now, just in general, looking out over so many people. They seem to make a credible profession. They seem to have been born again. But it almost seems as like they were a flash in the pan. You can't find them. And it isn't just a matter that maybe they went somewhere else and followed the Lord there. It's a matter of you just can't find them. No one wants to be a fake, but some people are. Which challenge in today's message applies to you? I'm thinking about the story of a man that was injured in an accident. His injuries were rather severe, in fact. And so they took him to the hospital. And, of course, they had to get his shirt open and all that to look and see what kind of wounds and problems he had. And the doctor noticed when they got his shirt off that he had a beautiful tattoo across his chest. I'm not endorsing. I'm, not, I'm just telling you the story. Had a beautiful tattoo across his chest that said, Jesus. I told you that we're all preaching one way or another. Beautiful Jesus written across his chest. The nurse who was standing by, she saw it too. And her response was, I wonder if it is deeper than the skin. 